if you have a story you would like to hear featured on this podcast, please go to AsTheRavenDreams.com and click the button to submit your story. Also, if the platform you're listening on has the option to rate this podcast, please consider doing so. And thank you. This happened to me in December of 1969. I'm a retired RN. I've experienced or witnessed many things that are beyond understanding, but I'm also a critical thinker, and my story changed my thoughts on our limited view of reality forever. I was with my high school boyfriend on a typical Friday date night in Jeffersonville, Indiana. After socializing with friends at the local hangouts, we would ride out on the rural back roads that were located between downtown and my home in a subdivision. There were dairy farms and cornfields on either side of the road for about six miles. The few homes along this stretch sat on the back of properties, and there were a couple of equipment paths that led to small open fields that were our teenage parking spots. Past that, the two-lane narrow road was heavily wooded with no homes or cleared property for ten miles. This particular road had many curves and hills, which is typical for southern Indiana. Its sparse population and teenage driving led to many accidents. There were no cell phones in those days, and SOP, if one saw an accident, was to stop help, and pray for another motorist to appear, to flag down to send to the nearest house to call the police and ambulance, or to transport the victims to the hospital yourself. It was a very cold December night, and snow flurries began. We left our parking area immediately as my curfew wasn't to be missed. The remainder of our drive to my house was through the wooded area, and on straightways we saw taillights quite a bit ahead. As we were approaching the second sharp curve, we saw headlights shining from ground level and at an angle towards us. We immediately slowed and pulled as far off the road as possible. The grill was damaged, and the passenger side had struck a tree. The headlights in the otherwise pitch-black night were blinding. A fully restored, beautiful 1956 Chevy had apparently tried to take the curve too fast and had lost control. The car was off the road, on its roof. My boyfriend, Greg, grabbed his flashlight and got another for me along with the first aid kit from the trunk, and we ran to assist anyone that might be injured. The headlights had kept us from seeing how many passengers the car held. I clearly remember my heart pounding from the adrenaline, and my mind fearing injuries as nobody was shouting back to our calling out, and nobody was attempting to get out of the car. I could smell the strong odor of gasoline and burned rubber. The engine was running, and was making a knocking sound. Greg got down on his knees, and opened the driver's side door, and I opened the back. The car was empty. He reached up and turned the ignition. The engine was now off, and the woods were silent. Nothing was making sense. Our headlights and flashlights were giving us light, and we started searching for a possible injured person. The windows were rolled up and starting to fog. Greg had already searched the interior. At this point, our assumption was that the driver must have gotten out, and we just hadn't seen him or her. We didn't understand why they hadn't answered us as we ran to help or why the car had been left running. We continued to search for a person, around the wreck. We tried to go into the woods, but the underbrush and steep embankment was impossible to climb. At this point, we decided whoever was driving may have just walked away. We got back into Greg's car and drove slowly three miles back, and then turned around and drove slowly the next six, fully expecting to find someone needing a ride home or to a phone. 
we were relieved that the driver must not be hurt, but couldn't imagine why they didn't see us, and how they had left on foot without us seeing them. No other vehicles had come down the road. At this point, the remaining road that we drove was covered with snow, and we saw no tracks. There were no houses. We went to my house where my parents were waiting, and I was really late. Greg told my father what had happened, and then described the car and how beautifully restored it was, in case he knew to whom it may belong. The whole incident just left us baffled. By the next day, we decided that maybe there was a house in the woods or side road that we missed. We both were just unsettled by it. We didn't know why we were worried about what now appeared to be a non-event. The next day, we went back to the scene of the accident. Both of us felt that we would find a house close by that had gone unnoticed, or a side road. Something. We didn't understand why we were still dwelling on it, but little did we know that quite the opposite was what we found. The car was still there, but had been moved into a clearing in the trees. I will never understand what happened the night of the Chevy whose taillight we followed, hit that curve and rolled. There it was, still on its roof. The damaged grill and the front fender damaged. The accident on a Friday night. Here we stood, on Sunday afternoon, at the car. The paint was faded. The body was completely rusted through over a majority of it. The tires were completely rotted and the rims were rusted. The interior was dry-rotted and covered with mold. The windows were gone and the windshield was broken with a basketball-sized hole full of vines growing in and out of the car. The embankment we had tried to search was now a clearing, and setting further back into the woods was a small abandoned two-room shack. We later did a property search, but it only led us to owners that had bought the acreage with the shack and car on it. All we were left with was a lifetime of questions surrounding a cold December night. It has been years now, but that night still haunts me. Hi Raven, I hope you're doing well. I wanted to share a bizarre event that happened to me my sister and my cousin, when we were kids. They all remember it to this day, as well, and none of us are able to explain it. My sister and I used to share a room, with our beds parallel to each other. We had two plushies that we played with all the time. Hers was Tweety, the yellow bird from that old cartoon, and mine was Jerry, from Tom and Jerry. In this game of ours, the goal was to toss our plushies into the opposite bed, so she would have to defend her bed from my plushie by hitting it with her hand, as if we were playing tennis while trying to throw her toy onto my bed, and vice versa. Sometimes the plushies would fall into the crack between the bed and the wall, ending up under the bed. This would be annoying since the time spent looking for it would allow the opponent to easily win by a point by having clear access to the bed, without the defense from the other side. We often had fun with this plushy war, and our cousin knew about it too. One time, he was spending a few days at our place, and I was playing the game with him, as my sister was in the other room. At one point, I was looking for my Jerry plushie, which fell behind the bed, when he threw Tweety onto my bed. It bounced against the wall, and as much as I remember, I felt it hit the mattress. My cousin recalls that it fell through the crack, so I'm not sure if it ended up on top of or under my bed, but it certainly fell down. However, when I found Jerry and looked up, it wasn't there. I looked under the bed, it wasn't there either. We both searched for it, looking even in the drawers that used to be under the bed, thinking that it might have somehow ended up there, but we just could not find it. We told my sister and my mom, and all of us looked for it for a while to no avail. It just vanished into thin air. A few days later, 
My cousin was still at our house, and while we were playing, for some reason, he climbed onto the plank at the end of my bed, which was right by the closet. We had some stuff stored on top of the closet, so he probably wanted to take something down. But suddenly, his jaw dropped, and I saw him pick up the Tweety plushie from the top of the closet. We both remember it falling down. If it somehow flew up there, my cousin would see it. Apart from that, it would be impossible to make it end up in the top of the closet while aiming at my bed. It simply didn't make sense. To this day, we still talk about it sometimes. We don't have any rational explanation of how it could have happened, so we just accepted that Tweety got some teleportation skills that day. Last night, after dinner, my partner, who I'll call H, went back into the kitchen for something and observed Luna, our black cat, sitting on the little red stool that I put in the kitchen in front of our French doors a few days ago, so the cats can look out. We have red curtains flanking those doors, and the curtains were pulled closed, providing a contrasting backdrop for Luna, who was on the stool. H said, Hey, Luna's on the stool and he shows up well with that red curtain behind him. I'm always talking about how I can't take good photos of Luna because he's black and you can never see him well. It was just a passing comment, and I made a mental note to take a photo of him sometime in that spot. So, H comes back to join me on the sofa. We chat for about 10 to 15 minutes or so, and he gets back up to go back to the kitchen. He said... Luna's still here on the stool. I told him that was weird that he'd just be hanging out by himself in a dark and closed-off kitchen. Normally, he'd be with us wherever we are. It wasn't like he had anything to look at outside, the curtains were closed due to the cold drafts. I tried to reason out that weird behavior, but cats do weird things, so I didn't think much of it. I told H that he's probably just waiting for a treat. I had been giving the cats treats every night for the last three nights or so, so that kind of made sense. As H was leaving the kitchen, he tried calling for Luna to come out, but he didn't. I tried calling too from the sofa. By the way, you can't see the kitchen door or stool where Luna was from our sofa in the living room. As H was walking out of the kitchen and through the dining room toward the sofa again, we were talking about how Luna knows the word treat and that I have to spell it out so that he doesn't get worked up. H suggested that I call out that I have a treat so that maybe he'd come out of the dark kitchen and join us in the living room. I told him that if I did that, I would have to actually get up and go get a treat from the kitchen when he came out. I was being lazy. (laughs) But ultimately, we decided to test the little experiment. By this time, H had joined me back on the sofa, There's a chair next to the sofa where our blonde cat, Sol, was snoozing away on a cozy black blanket through all of this. I noted that I wasn't sure if Sol knew the word treat as well as Luna, and said that it would be interesting to see how Sol responds. I start saying at first in a softer voice, Anybody want a treat? Still no Luna emerging from the kitchen. So I said it again, a little louder. We looked over at Sol, and he was slowly opening up his sleepy little eyes, but still no Luna. I said it again two or three times, and all the while we were glancing between Sol and toward the dark kitchen entry, watching to see if Luna would come out. And then, when I was looking at Sol, whose head was completely raised at this point, I see right beside him another pair of green eyes, and quickly realize... We actually both realized this at the same time, that Luna was curled up on the chair with Sol. And when I say curled up, it was that kind of curled up they're in when cats are total relaxation or nap mode. I'm not sure about other people who have cat siblings, but with my cats, if they end up napping together, it usually starts with one cat already asleep, usually Sol. 
and then the other cat will jump up on them and start cleaning them, licking their ears and faces. And then one of two things will happen. They either start to play fight until it turns serious-ish, in which I usually have to scold one of them because usually the napping cat just isn't in the mood to play fight, or, on rare occasions, the imposing cat just cleans his brother and then curls up and sleeps right next to him. It is never just a cat jumps up on the other side and goes to sleep or in chill mode. It's always a process. I know this because I always have to keep an eye on them when one jumps on the other in case one, usually Luna, starts bullying the other, biting too hard, etc. So this means at some point between H leaving the kitchen the second time, when he observed Luna still on the stool, and coming to the sofa, Luna would have had to have darted out really quick without us noticing, and then ran straight to the chair his brother was in, all within full view of where we both were, and settled down right away without waking his brother up. That is just not the way that Luna operates. He doesn't dart through the house unless, on rare occasions, he's playing with his brother and they have the zoomies. Otherwise, Luna lumbers. He's a lumberer. That's why his nickname is Luna Bear. He looks and lumbers like a small black bear, and what's more, I had called out, anybody want a treat, and treat, treat, several times. Ordinarily, when treat time is announced, he always comes running into the room. Always the kitchen, except for last night when we were trying to lure him from the kitchen. Meowing like crazy, and acting like he's dying or going through withdrawals and just needs a hit of that life-saving cat treat. It's a running joke that the food and treats are one of the rare things that he'll actually run for. But he was just sitting there on the chair, curled up next to his brother looking at me like, what are you going on about? We were, or are, so baffled. H and I looked at each other like, what the hell just happened? He immediately went back to the kitchen where he just was, and there was no Luna on the stool, because Luna was apparently on the chair next to us. I don't even know, but damn. Hi, I've only just found this sub, so I'm coming over from Paranormal. Around 12 years ago, Tesco Chesterfield UK had a recycling machine that gave you Tesco club card points. For those not in the UK, those points build up like air miles and can be transferred for coupons or vouchers. We lived about 30 miles away, a 50-minute drive, and it's a really good Tesco. So every few months, we'd fill up our car as full as possible with bottles, cans, and jars and drive over. We owned a Skoda Fabia, the small estate car at the time. We lived in the Derbyshire Peak District, an area known for particularly bad weather. This particular Saturday in November, we had left in cold but clear weather and got to Tesco at about lunchtime. We did our recycling, filled the car back up with shopping, and went to get McDonald's. We then started back on the A619 westbound. As we got to Watch Shelf, it started to get foggy, and my husband, who was suffering from terminal cancer, started to need the loo. Knowing that we would have to drive it a crawl till we were out of the fog, we decided to stop at the Brewer's Chef, a premier inn in Eastmore, and have a loo break. We stopped, and although the pub was welcoming and well-lit, it was cold and quiet, and even though there should have been an hour or so of daylight left, it was very dark, and still in fog. We went in, used the loo, bought a soft drink each, used the loo again, and then left. By the time we got to the car, the fog was so thick that it was hard to see the gates of the car park. We pulled out, and this is the only part where I could explain what happened next. I'm certain, we're both certain, we pulled left, westward. I can't think we would have turned right, even in the fog. In the fog, pulling across a lane of traffic on a corner would be lethal, 
and I could not believe that we did it. We started driving, and the fog was so thick that we couldn't see the road in front of the bonnet. The light of the cars were reflecting back on us, and after a long time of just crawling along and seeing nothing, my husband became convinced that we would fall off the edge of the road. So he made me get out with a torch and walk in front of the car. I walked like that for what seemed like miles. It was utterly wet and frozen, and I couldn't see anything that I recognized. No signs. I couldn't even see the road markings. Just the car behind and literally the step in front of me. After what seemed like an hour, my husband, who was very angry with me moving so slowly, decided he'd be better off just driving and told me to get back in. After another hour of this, I turned to him and asked how fast he was going. He said 10 miles an hour. I said that he couldn't be because we hadn't come across the Robin Hood pub or the Nether End roundabout. He asked if I'd recognized any road markings or signs. I hadn't. He then said, I haven't turned the wheel. We both started to be a bit scared. Where are we? We used this road a lot, we knew it well, but we'd been driving for two hours, and we hadn't reached anything that we recognized. In fact, we hadn't seen anything, just fog and road. We were just about ready to freak out, when suddenly some lights came ahead. Oh, it must be the Robin Hood. We thought we'd stop, have another pee, but it wasn't the Robin Hood. It was a much bigger pub. In fact, it was a massive junction with a pub on it called the Peacock. It's at a place called Owler Bar, I later found out. We came upon it with the pub on the right-hand side of the road. We were traveling south. It was floodlit and had a huge car park. We could read the road signs here and realized not only were we on a completely different road, we were miles away from where we thought we were, coming away from Sheffield, not Chesterfield. The road layout here is like one giant roundabout, and having gone round it once, we realized the road we were on and the direction we'd been going, which was south, would take us back to the road we wanted to be on. In fact, it met with the Nether End Roundabout. We got there in about 20 minutes, and the fog had cleared before we got to Boslo. We were both freaked out, but it became one of those things we talked about to people. However, we told my parents about four weeks later over Christmas dinner, and my mom dropped her fork and looked at my dad. That happened to us once, dad said, exactly like that. Mom said, he even made me get out of the car. Nice pub though, my dad added. I asked them what it was, and my dad just went, one of those peak district things. My husband, mom, and dad have all passed away, so I don't have any witnesses anymore. So when I found this sub, I thought I had to write it down so I wasn't the only person who knows. I still travel the route regularly, and it has never happened since. But also, I've never found any way of getting from Eastmore to Aller Bar without going back towards Chesterfield. Okay. So, this one is a shared experience with my best friend, which she remembers the same. To this day, I believe that this glitch saved our lives. It's gonna be longer, but worth it. We were walking in the midnight hours from one city to another, where I live, because the public transportation was already shut down. It was like a two-hour walk. At one point, we were walking down the street, where on either side were family houses, which at least 50% of them had dogs sleeping in the garden. We were kind of terrified, as you can imagine, as the dogs went crazy, barking and everything. We were even joking that if one of the dogs escaped, we would be dead. Well, we're at the end of the street and suddenly notice something odd. There is this house with a pretty small fence, like 80 centimeters or something, and in the garden is a German shepherd. Like, who the hell buys this dog with such a small fence? 
we discussed it, and we were both terrified that the dog would escape. As we came to the point where we have two options on how to continue, one longer path but with public lights, and one shorter through the forest, where it was dark. We decided to take the longer and safer one when suddenly we hear paws on the ground. We froze. The German Shepherd was right behind us. He came, sniffed us, and went ahead a few meters, sat down and waited. We were still terrified of what this strange dog who didn't know us would do to us, so we changed our minds and went straight to the forest. He came, sniffed us, and then went ahead to the forest, sat down, and waited. So we decided to take the first way with the streetlights. As you probably now know, the dog came, sniffed us, and then went a few meters, sat down, and waited. We came to the conclusion that this dog was of no harm and went along to the original path. It was still the same scenario. Dog sniffed us, went ahead a few meters, and then waited for us to come. Then again, then again. Until, suddenly, out of nowhere appeared another dog. I believe that it was some kind of Great Dane mix. He was furious, aggressive, went right in front of us with his teeth out, growling. We wanted to go back, but didn't want to turn our backs to the dog. Suddenly, he jumped, with his teeth ready to bite us, and then our now dog friend came to the rescue. They fought. We cried terrified that one of the dogs would get hurt, but by some miracle, nothing happened to either one of them. The Great Dane just ran away. That German Shepherd came with us all the way to my house. We gave him some food and water, and he then disappeared, and we guessed went home. About a week later, we were still worried the dog may not have found his way home, so we came to check on him. The house wasn't there. The obnoxiously small fence wasn't there either, and there was no German Shepherd in the street. But if it wasn't for him, we would have either died or gotten injured by that Great Dane. So, thank you, Matrix, for saving our lives. When I was in college in the early 2000s, I drove this small two-door hatchback car from the 70s. When I say small, I mean the front was two bucket seats with only the emergency brake in between. With the exception of a wee glove compartment, there was no storage. No backseat pouches, not even a cup holder. So, one day I'm getting in the car, and I have this makeup bag. I couldn't tell you where I was going or what I was doing, honestly. I'm not really a makeup person, so bringing the bag with me was unusual in the first place. But I do know that I had the makeup bag. Until I didn't. When I reached my destination, it was nowhere to be found. I searched that car multiple times for that bag that evening. Again, the car was small, so there weren't really many places to hide, especially considering the bag is roughly half the size of a loaf of bread and the entire interior of the car is black, while the bag was quite colorful. I looked under the front seats, and in the floor. The back seat is solid, one bench seat with no gap underneath. It's not there. I go so far as to look in the hatch, just in case I unknowingly threw it over the back seat. No luck. I look in the spare tire compartment. At this point, I'm pretty sure I'm losing my mind. Over the next few months, I return to the car to check and recheck for the bag. I go so far as to detailing the entire interior of the car, vacuuming everything, and cleaning even the tiniest spaces with a Q-tip. Even places that I knew the bag could not be, like under the floor mat. I looked. It was gone. I convinced myself that it must have fallen onto the floorboard and out of the car while I was getting gas. Fast forward a year later, I stopped to get gas. In my memory, this is the same gas station that I stopped at on the day that I lost the bag, but this was long enough that I can't be sure. 
and I'm standing at the rear of the car by the gas tank. I happen to look in the small window to the back seat, and I notice something sitting on the rear floorboard. When I enter the car to investigate, I find the makeup bag. It's just sitting there, all alone, out in the open, perfectly visible, just like it had been there all along. Our kitchen is kind of small, cramped, but I love kitchen gadgets, so to make room for all of them, I gutted the counters and moved all my small kitchen appliances from the countertops into our pantry. The pantry is located off-center to the side of our dishwasher, so it's not a walk-in, but rather two French doors that open outward. Last week, we decided to get rid of our Ninja Blender because the plastic cracked, and we invested in a Vitamix anyway. On Sunday, I finally took the Vitamix out of the box, and I tossed the instruction manual into the junk drawer, which comes into play later, and my husband even said, oh great, another useless manual to add to the collection. The Ninja Blender was front and center because I used the blender a ton, so I took it out of the pantry and placed the Vitamix in its place. I put the Ninja Blender into the Vitamix box. I took the Vitamix container out of the pantry to rinse it with warm water and soap, and then I took the plastic off the tip of the cord and those twist ties that keep the cords tidy. I dried it and put it back, made dinner, and my husband was like, do you want a smoothie? Of course, I was like, hell yeah, let's put this expensive blender to good use. He goes to the kitchen and he's like, babe, did you put the blender back in the box? I walk back to the kitchen and there's the blender in the box with the cord, with ties, and the plastic over the tip of the plug. The ninja blender was in the pantry where it was before. Obviously, I think we've both gone crazy. So I'm like, maybe I just imagined that. But then my husband said, did I imagine that too? We look at each other and we're like, the junk drawer, the manual was in the junk drawer. So, rewind it to when we were going to buy the items to cook dinner. We left the keys in the foyer because we have a long shelf and we just keep the keys there. Because it's easy to grab them as you walk out the door. The keys weren't there. So we wasted a good 15 to 20 minutes looking for those damned keys. And to be honest, that's the only weird thing that happened prior to us opening the blender. I started obsessing about this, naturally. I came to Reddit and I'm like, maybe I'm not crazy, I don't know, but the likelihood of both my husband and I remembering everything makes me think that maybe, in another time, we didn't lose the keys, and something happened to both of us. We don't have attics or basements. We live in California and our older boys were at work, and our youngest was with some friends for the weekend, so it was just me, the husband, and the dogs. We don't drink or do drugs or even take RX drugs, so we were stone-cold sober and apparently excited for smoothies. We have a ring, so I know that no one came in or walked out of the house or garage. And honestly, I cannot stop thinking about this. This is the most tragic and strangest story, and it happened seven years ago. This is the first time I'm sharing it with someone. I haven't even shared it with my mother. The year was 2017. It was summer. I returned to my home country after one year from a university abroad. My father picked me up at the airport, and we had dinner at home. Everything was as usual as it could be. I went to bed around 12 p.m., and I slept immediately. I woke up around 5 a.m. to go to the restroom, and went directly to the bathroom, which is in my room, so I didn't even step out of my room. We all think about different things when going to the bathroom, such as the color of the walls or what's to eat for breakfast. For this time, out of nowhere, 
I started thinking about if I had to choose one between choosing my mother or my father being dead. Then I thought my sister would be devastated without my mother, and my father cannot handle my sister in her teenage years. I decided that absence of my father would be easier than losing my mother. I finished going and was just about to get back to bed. I heard a strong snoring noise. My father was always snoring since my childhood, and sometimes we would have fun with it, make jokes. However, this time it felt stronger, and not natural. The noise led me to the living room where I found my father lying on the couch, with a little blood on his nose. I tried to wake him up, but he was fully unconscious. I called 911, woke my mother up, but once we arrived to the hospital, he'd passed away. He was 48. Doctors said it was from a cerebral hemorrhage by high blood pressure. We don't know about what time it happened. I'm still confused with this situation. I wasn't there for a year and had the chance of having one last dinner and conversation with my father. I found him like that, and my blood ran cold. I can't imagine the trauma they would have to live through if my mother or sister had found him lying on the couch. And, of course, I still think, why did I think such a thing in the bathroom? And what would have happened if I had chose my mother? Thank you for reading and sharing my memory. This happened about two years ago. It's not as creepy or weird as most of the posts on here, but it's confused the hell out of me and my fiancé ever since. So, around two years ago, we were about to go on holiday, vacation. When we go on holiday, we always keep our two cats in. They usually like to go out in the morning first thing, so that we can get them in the cat carrier and take them to the cattery while we're away. So, this one morning, cats were in, I had made sure the night before while they were in to close all the windows, etc. This isn't the first time we've had to do this for vet trips, holidays, etc. I get the cat carriers, they freak out, as always. My female cat runs upstairs, she's by far the more nervous of the two. I manage to get the male cat in his carrier, me and my partner go upstairs to find the female cat. She's nowhere to be seen. At this point, that's completely normal. They will always try and hide anywhere they can in this situation. We spent about half an hour searching every single possible place in the house to no avail. Still thinking she just found some ridiculous hiding place. In the past, she has managed to hide under a dressing gown that was on the floor, in drawers under the bed that we have no idea how she managed to squeeze into, and other various hiding places. Beginning to get distressed at this point, as we have to leave soon to get them to the cattery and leave for the airport. I go downstairs for a triple check of anywhere downstairs. Cats can obviously be really elusive when they want to, so she could have snuck past us, of course. And my cat is sitting, waiting at the door to come in, in the back garden. Both of us had absolutely no idea how it happened, and were absolutely blown away and confused. The strange part is she seemed to have completely forgotten about the fear and anxiety of going in the cat carrier or trying to hide. She just strolled on in. I grabbed her and put her in the carrier. We're both kind of freaking out at this point, so again, I check every single door and window in the house, and not a single one is open or unlocked. Now, I'm not a believer in anything supernatural, really, but this one really weirded us both out, and I still think about it to this day. Maybe there is some explanation or something I missed, but I've never been able to work it out. Maybe someone out there has an obvious answer? I couldn't give you a specific date, 
but the three of us would have been about 19 years old. I remember that I already had a driving license and what car I had. I estimate that it will be about 15 years ago, 2008, maybe 2007. Well, the three of us were in the building lobby of one of my friends. At that time, we often met in that lobby to talk before going out to party. We didn't have a penny, and I think it was winter, so instead of drinking in the streets or something like that, we were there for a few hours, and then sometimes we went out, and sometimes we didn't. The lobby in question was one of those where there is a doorman during the day, and which has two or three sofas. We were on two of them, my friends to my right on a large sofa, and I in an armchair. We stayed there for hours, so we used to be barefoot, as if we were in our living room. At that time, from time to time, we were quite rude, and we ended up talking about some deep crap, as if at that age you had a freaking idea of what life was about. That day we started talking about the afterlife, parallel universes, and stuff like that. One day it was that, another day politics, or whatever. The fact is that, at some point, when we had been talking about these topics for about two to three hours, my two friends jumped off the couch at the same time and began to run towards the exit onto the street. Halfway, there would be about 10 to 15 meters to the door, and seeing that I didn't understand anything of what was happening, they told me something like, Come on, bro, let's get out of here. They scared me, and there we were, the three of us on the streets, barefoot, in a busy neighborhood in the north of a big city, and me without an understanding of anything at all. It took about five seconds, but it seemed like a lifetime to me. The fact is that once on the street... I asked them what the hell was going on. They were both very scared, telling me that someone had hit the couch where they were sitting, and that as soon as they felt it, they had that reaction. I hadn't heard anything, but they were both describing the same thing to me and were quite scared. To clarify, that in the lobby, obviously there was absolutely no one other than us, and no way for someone to have entered without us realizing it. Furthermore, that sofa was almost attached to a wall, so it was absolutely impossible for anyone to have hit this sofa. No way. At this point, once on the street, we turn out onto the main street. Let me explain. The doorway opened onto some small private gardens, and out of fear, I suppose we decided to go out onto the sidewalk of the main street. We were still in shock. One of my friends and I were sitting on a small wall, and the other was standing with his back to us. The two of us who were sitting looked to the left and saw a girl. She was walking to us very close. Like, very, very close. She was by the wall, and the rest of the sidewalk was empty. She walked quite very slowly, and was extremely thin. She was dressed like she was going out for a party, but in a very strange way. The fact is that she crossed in front of us, perpendicular, and she continued downstairs. The friend who was standing turned to look at her as well when she reached her level. The girl began to go down four to five stairs, and halfway through, she stopped. She neither turned around nor took anything out of a bag. Nothing. She then continued walking a few meters. At that time, just 10 to 15 meters from where we were, there was a fairly known restaurant and pub, and that stretch of sidewalk was about 8 to 10 meters wide. It was packed with people. Either you get into the crowd or you have to change the sidewalk to pass. The girl began to go among those people, and no one looked at her nor interacted with her in any way. At one point, we lost sight of her. I'm talking about a very short distance, and we were somewhat elevated, and we saw perfect from there. My colleague, 
the one who was sitting, looked at me and said, If she turned around, I think I would have had a heart attack. In those seconds that the whole situation lasted, we had not had any time referred to the girl among ourselves. But the three of us were clear, and that made no sense. I say three because the one who was standing, the first thing he said to us was, But what the hell was that? After this, we decided to return to the building lobby, and in the gardens, we heard three quite loud doors slamming, but not all three at once. First one, then the others, and then another. Only one of us heard each of them. I don't remember in what order, and we only verbalized it after the third. The three of us referred to the noise as a car door slamming, but at a crazy volume. All of the time that I have described to you, from the sofa to this last thing, it would not have been more than four to five minutes. I know it doesn't make any freaking sense, but that's what we experienced that day. Clarify that none of us were drunk or drugged in any way, nor had any of us three had any strange experiences before or after that. And we've talked about it two to three times since then. It's been years since, and we just don't talk about it. And honestly, we have no idea what happened. One of them is convinced that something strange happened, the other has no idea, and honestly, I think there must be some sort of explanation. One of them, the one that lived in that building, later told us that a few days before, one of his neighbors had died, and that he was convinced that the elevator one of those that has no memory and does not return to the first floor if nobody pushes the button, had gone down to the lobby a couple of times during the night, without any neighbors coming in. It was to my back, so I can't tell you anything about that. But maybe you have some sort of theory, and I'd be more than glad to read it. We've only told this once at dinner with quite a few people, and the truth is that no one understood what the hell had happened to us that night. Hi, Raven. Thank you for gathering all of these beautiful stories. I love listening to them. Here is my story. My sister and I are reminiscing with a childhood friend of my sister's, and an incident comes to mind that happened, when my sister and I were on holiday in Austria with my parents. I think I must have been about 12 at the time, and my sister about 15. I told them about that time that my sister's friend called to the phone in the farm where we were staying that holiday. I can still see my sister standing by that telephone that hung in the wall of the farm, and the conversation lasted for ages. At the time, there were only landline telephones, and calling abroad was quite expensive. There were regular discussions among children and their parents about the fact that phone calls should not be made for too long, but this conversation had lasted at least an hour and a half. So when my sister rejoined me, and my parents after the conversation, and my parents jokingly said, well... Her father won't be happy when he sees the bill later. My sister replied matter-of-factly, Oh no, she was walking the dog and went to our house, and she called here from our house. My parents became furious, so intense that it ruined an entire day of that vacation for us all. My sister and her friend are looking at me with their mouths hanging open when I finished my story. Neither of them can remember anything about this. Not that they called each other, not that the girlfriend was in our house, and not that my parents were so angry. We decided that I'll ask my father. My father is older, but still up to date and his memories are still intact. However, my father also has no memories of this. This memory that is so vividly present in me. I think I may have shifted timelines somewhere along the line or something. I 
I was reading through these and decided that I would share the weirdest glitch that I've personally experienced. A few years back, I lived in a sober house, a great group of guys that I actually got pretty close to. One night, a good friend that lived in the house with me and I went over to talk to a friend that had relapsed. We had a good conversation for about two hours. Around midnight, we decided that it was getting late and left. Instead of taking the through way back, we decided to get some Wendy's and take the long way back. About 20 minutes into our drive down the road, I'd been down a dozen of times, I suddenly see a light ahead of me turn red and have to come to a fairly quick stop. We both look up, and at the same time see a cop taking a right-hand turn at the same intersection. We're both a bit relieved. Neither of us were deep enough into sobriety to shake that innate addict fear of cops. We're sitting there chuckling to ourselves, and after 30 seconds, we're both looking up at the lights and chatting. A minute goes by, and then two, and the light is still red which, by this point, we both make a comment on how long it's been read. Immediately after this, there's suddenly headlights coming through my rear window, and I don't mean they slowly faded in. They were just there. A large SUV suddenly swerves and lays on the horn and hollering something out his window. My friend and I immediately comment something like, Look at this a-hole blowing a red and blaming us. And as we both looked up, we realize there is no red light. Not only is there no red light, there's no light at all. Ahead of us is an empty intersection, four stop signs, and nothing else. We were both so creeped out. We looked at each other and he said, What the hell? And his face was white. We got home after that without incident and never talked about it again. This was almost four years ago, and I've never forgotten it. Here's a short little glitch that my friend and I experienced. Several months back, I believe it was like mid-August, my friend and I started moving forward with our plans to start taking up camping and hiking as a hobby. We eventually went to hike the Appalachian Trail. Part of this included getting all of our supplies and doing many closer-to-home hikes. The glitch happened during the process of getting our camping supplies. We were getting a lot of stuff that day, but I made a point of making sure that we got our trail food, like packaged oatmeal and some type of egg and sausage meal, because it just looked really delicious. Well, we get up to the counter and the woman rings us up. I know for certain that we had put the trail food on the counter and had it rung up because the cashier was having trouble scanning it. Eventually it goes through, and we put the bag with the trail food in our cart and then load it into our car. We double check to make sure that everything is in there, and then head home. We unload everything, but don't really look through it too much right away. Lunchtime rolls around. And I asked my friend if he wanted to try one of those oatmeals to make sure that we actually like it, before deciding for sure that that's what we'd be packing for our hike. He says yes, so we begin searching all the bags for our trail food. It was not there. Our first thought was that we had accidentally left it in the trunk. We checked. It wasn't there. We searched the rest of the car before assuming it fell out of the cart or something on the way to the car. But then I asked my friend to check the receipt so that we could go back and get new trail food. He looked at the receipt and saw that none of the trail food was on it. Weird. Both of us were sure that we had it. And, as mentioned, the cashier had definitely rung it up and handed it back to us. We decided to just call it a brain fog moment. Our trip wasn't for another few weeks, so we had time to go get new trail food. Eventually, my friend goes back to the store on his own, and the same thing happens with the trail food. He swears up and down that the cashier rung him up for it, but when he got home, it just wasn't in the car. Eventually, we did get our trail food, third time's a charm, 
but we did find it a little strange. I work for the biggest coffee shop chain in the world. You know the one I'm talking about. I work late afternoons and nights. We close at 9pm every night, and this story took place around 8pm, just before Christmas. We have three people working at night, since they tend to be slower. I was making all the drinks for customers, my coworker was running the drive-thru, taking orders and handing out drinks, and my supervisor was in the back room eating lunch. We all wear headsets, so that way we can hear customers' orders and communicate with each other. My supervisor wears her headset while on lunch or break, so that way she knows if we need help. We had a fair few customers in the drive-thru, maybe four or five in line. Every car is just ordering one or two drinks, until one car orders five large hot chocolates. I audibly groaned at this because it takes a while to make five drinks. My coworker finished handing out the drinks to the car before the hot chocolate car, and went to take the order of the next. He went back over to take the money of the hot chocolate car, but when he said the total, the people in the car at the window were totally confused. They had only ordered one drink. At this point, we were all confused. Neither me nor my coworker saw the hot chocolate car drive away. I confirmed with my coworker that he did indeed hear those hot chocolates being ordered, and that I was not crazy. My supervisor wasn't really listening too well, and she did not hear the hot chocolates being ordered. I don't understand how someone could order five drinks, not come to the window, and somehow drive off without either of us seeing them. There's no way to get out of the drive through line once you're in it, unless you back out. There were cars on either side of this person, so they were literally trapped with no way out. I keep thinking about this, and I cannot think of a logical answer, since they did not have enough time to leave the drive after the car in front of them drove off. If any of you have a logical explanation, please, let me know. I was running late for work this morning while my wife was tending to our one-year-old who was sick with a cold. She asked if I could stop at the Walgreens down the street to get him some cough medicine. I was in a huge rush, but didn't want him to go without, and so I headed over there as quickly as I could. My wife and I were on the phone as I was driving and pulling into the parking lot. The street was busy and packed with cars, and as I was walking up to the store... I noticed a woman putting her screaming child into her car just outside the store. My wife was reminding me which medicine to buy as I checked my phone for the time, and that's when it got weird. The second I walked into that store, my phone turned off and the call dropped. The sliding door closed behind me and the entire store was empty. The lighting was different than what I was used to, fluorescent and cold. There was no one at the front, and no one in any of the aisles that I could see. I turned around to look outside, and there were no cars in the street. Not even the woman who was there just five seconds ago. I actually said, Hello? Twice, loudly. Feeling this was some sort of horror movie that I was in. The entire store was silent. And I go to grab my phone again to film this, in case no one believed me. And of course, it won't turn on. I turn the corner down a random aisle, and just like that, there's people there. The lighting is different now and warmer. There was even music now. I turn to look at the front of the store, and there's a customer mid-transaction with a checker. My phone starts working again, and my wife is calling me. She tells me it just went silent and said call failed. I stood there for a minute and realized there was nothing I could do but buy the medicine and go on with my day. I don't know if this was a glitch in the Matrix, odd and coincidental timing, or some weird parallel universe type stuff, but all I know is that it was strange as hell. 
and I really didn't know who to tell this to. Hi, Raven. This doesn't seem creepy to some people, but it was terrifying in the moment. My glitch in the Matrix story is when I went to a wrestling match, I brought $5 in my student ID. I went and enjoyed the game. I didn't have to pay as someone paid for me. This is important later in the story. I went and enjoyed the match. On the way home, I realized that I didn't have my $5 and student ID. I get home, go straight to my closet to put my shoes in, and sitting on the floor is the $5 and my student ID. I look up, and I hear the side door slam. I was home alone. My dog started barking, and I stepped out of my room. As soon as I went out, the lights went out and I screamed and ran outside. It was dark by now. When I came outside, after about five minutes, I went back inside. I left the stuff in my closet. I came back in through the front door, and the money in the ID was now on my couch. I threw them out in the garbage outside, and then it stopped happening. I was terrified, but whenever I tell people this, they don't believe me. This might be silly, and the title not accurate, but I am kind of confused right now. I've just started a new job after years of doing night shifts. After a few weeks, I was introduced to my manager for the initial assessment. As soon as I saw her and heard her name, I thought, where have I seen her? A few more weeks go by, and my mind still tries to remember where I saw her, and then I remembered. She worked for maybe two weeks on night shifts at the same place that I used to work. We were more than 20 people and the turnover was high, so it took me a while to remember her, but then I got it. I remember chatting with her and also her name. So, I just gave it for granted that she was the same person that worked night shifts with me. And now she's a manager, so good for her. This was until I got to know her better. It turns out that not only is she wealthy, she lives in a big house in an exclusive area, so there's no reason for her to have worked night shifts at a grocery store, but she told me that she has been a manager at this new place for years. But I remember her from just last year. Now, there are obviously a few rational explanations, such as she has an identical twin, but I remember her name. She temporarily lost her job, but she's been working there for years and everyone treats her like they're lifetime friends. She infiltrated a rifle business? Weird, but who knows, I guess. I then ran out of explanations. The obvious move is to ask her about it, but now it's been months and it would be kind of awkward to ask. I know this might sound silly, but... Her as a person is unmistakable. Tall, big, red cheeks, peculiar voice. And this whole thing has been bouncing in my head for months now. This happened to my wife and I about a year and a half ago. We were in El Paso for a friend's wedding... It was an afternoon wedding that lasted well into the evening, so we did not get back on the road toward home until pretty late. It was a two and a half hour drive home through the Guadalupe Mountains. As we were leaving, a friend of mine took us aside and said, Be very careful on your way home. Those roads are dangerous at night. We assured her that we would be careful and set out on our way. Fast forward about an hour and a half... We were driving through the mountains, it was a very dark night, and we had been pretty much the only people on the road up to that point. The place where we were driving was straight for several miles, with a small gravel shoulder on the right. 
and then a fairly steep hill just beyond that shoulder. We saw headlights coming from in front of us, but there was something off. My wife mentioned it. There's something weird about that car. It was then that I noticed it as well. Yeah, there was something weird. But what was it? It was coming on fast, and it was only until it was almost on top of us that I realized it was in my lane. I jerked the wheel to the right, and then I was on the road past the car, nothing amiss. I think I drove the shoulder to avoid the accident, but my memory is very fuzzy in that regard. If that's the case, then I must be a very skilled driver. We'd been going 60 miles per hour. The shoulder was narrow and gravel. I would have had to have hit the shoulder, avoided the other car, avoided the drop-off, not slide on the gravel and not overcorrect to get back on the road, at 60 miles per hour, in the dark, in a minivan. The only thing I have a clear memory of are cranking the wheel to the right, and then being back on the road. So, miracle? <laughs> Glitch in the Matrix? Or am I just a tremendous defensive driver with a memory affected by adrenaline? So that was this week's collection of Glitch in the Matrix stories on the As the Raven Dreams podcast. I hope you enjoyed this collection of glitchy goodness. If you did and would like to listen to more of this, you can always check out the other episodes of the podcast or support the channel further by actually going to my YouTube channel and checking out my videos. Just go to YouTube and search As the Raven Dreams. You can also go to AsTheRavenDreams.com for lots of other good stuff. Ways to get early access, read stories that I've written, submit your own story, and things like that. All that said, friends, thank you very much for listening. I do hope to see you in two weeks on the next Glitch in the Matrix episode. But until then, sleep well. <laughs>